What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is TFG and Mike with the GeekCast Radio Network. I would just like to mention that in this episode of TuneCast, because it is dedicated to the X-Men, Spider-Man, and Iron Man Marvel 90s cartoons, I did get permission from that guy with the glasses, Doug Walker, to use the audio from his X-Men theme music video, so you will hear that first um, before the discussions, and hope that you enjoy this episode of TuneCast. We re-recorded it because the first version just wasn't able to be put on air. So yeah, up next, TuneCast 19. Roll Songs that don't need lyrics by Ed of them anyway. Ha! X-Men are cool. X-Men rule. They're no fools. X-Men duel. Fighting ghouls. They're not tools. Breaking rules. First you got the Wolverine. Super mega death machine. Gambit's cards are really keen. Shine like rubies. Cyclops always leads the team. While sometimes making out with Gene. Rogue and Storm are real hotties. With big boobies. Jubilee cheerfully fireworks off with glee and the beast wants at least quotes the book war and peace ESP is the key constantly for Xavier And there's some other X-Men too But they don't have a lot to do Just some cameos for you to view And there's this evil bad guy who Lost his parents cause they're Jews Magneto's is non plume. It's true all these guys want this guy flying high in the sky Really try not to die getting by Knowing why they are the saviors Xavier's X-Men kickers X-Men is a kick-ass show Now you know Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of TuneCast Brought to you by the GeekCast Radio Network I'm your host, DFG and Mike And today I'm joined by Clark, a.k.a. Red Random Hero We are going to be talking about the Marvel cartoons from the 90s Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, well, we'll just tell people. I I normally would just ignore the fact that uh, we've already actually recorded this show, but uh, the previous recording was completely unusable because of my microphone issues. So um, we're going to re-record this. Um, actually, it's funny. As I was putting this the show together originally um i had contacted that guy with the glasses because i remember he had done a a theme song a he added lyrics to the x-men theme song and i contacted him asked him i said hey can i is it okay if i rip the audio from your video 
and use it in this uh, X-Men, you know, discussion uh, thing. He said, as long as you, you know, give credit, you know, that's fine. So we actually have the uh, <laughs> that guy with the glasses. X-Men theme music will be uh, before this. You, you, you people who are already listening to this will will have already heard it. So that's that's pretty pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you got it, man. That's an awesome song he did. Oh yes, very very much so. Very funny. Um, so I think we are going to get right into the show. We will be right back. It is time for the history lesson, and for the first history lesson of episode 19, uh, we travel back to 1992 with X-Men. X-Men, also known as X-Men the Animated Series, is an American animated television series which debuted on October 31st, 1992. Holy crap, it debuted on Halloween. That's a great way to start off Halloween. Uh, in In the United States, on the Fox Network, as part of its Fox Kids Saturday morning lineup, um... X-Men is a Marvel Comics second... X-Men is Marvel Comics' second attempt at animated X-Men program after the poorly received half-hour plot or pilot X-Men Pride of the X-Men was broadcast multiple times between 1989 and 1992. The popularity and success of X-Men along with Batman the Animated Series, which also debuted in the Fox Kids 1992-1993 season, helped launch a number of popular comic-based animated series in the 90s. X-Men was originally to premiere over the Labor Day weekend in September. However, due to production delays, it was pushed to the end of October. The Night of the Sentinels two-part episode originally aired as a sneak preview, even though it truly wasn't ready for broadcast. There were many animation errors in these two episodes, but the errors were later corrected when Fox re-aired the pilot in early 1993. X-Men was one of the longest-lasting series in Fox Kids, second only to Batman the Animated Series. Its most acclaimed and successful... It's most acclaimed and successful to date. Despite its final new episode airing in late 1997 after five complete seasons, Fox did not remove the show from their lineup until 1998. The show was also one of the highest rated and most viewed Saturday morning programs in American history. During its peak years, 95 to 96, the show was often shown weekday afternoons in addition to Saturday mornings. And that does it for the history lesson for this one, so we are going to move on to the general memories. Um, I love this show. This is my introduction to X-Men. It was my introduction to comics. Actually, this show is what got me into the X-Men trading card game. Uh, and I would like to point out to all you Pokey fans that, uh, there were trading card games before fucking Pokemon. Um, so yeah. Uh, just an overall great show. Awesome theme song. Very, very memorable instrumental theme song. Great characters. Uh, a lot of great stories, I thought. 
uh, what are your general memories of it? Um, just like you, yeah, this was my introduction to the X-Men and to the comics, you know, like, plus this is also, you know, a way for me and my brother to hang out, like, every Saturday morning we get up and watch X-Men together, and, you know, it was a lot of fun back when I was younger, you know, I had a lot of fun with him. And also, I was into the trading card game, too. I had a bunch of them, and I lost them, and I wish I had still had them. I wish I still had, uh, I believe it was um, Cyclops's blue team and Storm's gold team cards. Those were my two favorite cards. wish I still had those. Uh, Me, too. All right, so we are going to move on to the next segment, which is the character-slash-voice-actor segment. Uh, for this one, everybody knows these characters, so, uh, I mean, I will go down the list and just name them. Uh, I don't want to spend too much, I mean, we can, you know, say which is our favorite or what we liked about that character, but I really don't want to spend too much time discussing them because X-Men has, when I was getting the script information for this, probably 95% of, of the of the uh, episode 19 script is uh, dedicated to character bios for the X-Men show, the Spider-Man show, and the Iron Man show. Um, so the main cast of heroes you had, Charles Xavier, a.k.a. Professor X, uh, who was voiced by Cedric Smith. Um, you know, I thought this was a great introduction to him uh, as far as being animated, uh, as far as maybe somebody reading the X-Men comics at that time. And you know, actually seeing him, and I really enjoyed the stories with him and Magneto as kind of still being friends and them being in the Savage Land and having to depend on each other because they couldn't depend on anybody else. What did you think of... Professor X? Uh, yeah, this is a really great introduction to him. This is this is how I remember Professor X. You know, don't get me wrong, Patrick Stewart is great, but this is who I remember. Right, right. I... I think that they transition nicely from this version of Professor Xavier in the 1992 comic or 1992 cartoon to the uh, 2000 live-action film with uh, Patrick Stewart. I think it was. I mean, they're almost inter interchangeable as far as that goes. Yeah, I agree. They they got a spot on in the movie. And we will not, I'd like to point out, uh, because this is dedicated to the Marvel cartoons in the 90s, we will not be mentioning X-Men Evolution at all. That show sucked. Oh yeah, it did. I never watched it. Uh, Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops, uh, voiced by Norm Spencer, uh, is the field commander of the X-Men. Um, you know, again, this is pretty much my introduction to all these characters, and I thought that uh, Cyclops has done really well, especially with... Um, the love triangle between him, Gene, and Wolverine, uh, you know, the, I mean, it's just sheer comedy gold when you get Cyclops and Wolverine arguing with each other. Yeah, they just go at each other over Gene Grey just so many times. It's well, they have just hilarious. lines, you know, so. Oh, yeah, they have a bunch of one lines. Then you have Aurora Monroe, a.k.a. Storm, voiced by I.M. Morris, then Allison Seeley Smith. Uh, Storm's origins are very true to the comics. She was orphaned at an early age and spent her childhood living on the streets. Um, and she does have that fear of uh, claustrophobia. Um, I like Storm in this show, but as I was watching it back on the DVDs, because there are four volumes of DVDs, there are four different sets, and we'll talk about those later, but 
does she really have to say what the weather that she is calling up has to do? I mean, really. That was. I don't know why she does, but she does. No, that was just kind of stupid to me. I, I don't know. After watching, I don't know, I think it's probably 50 out of the 70 episodes that are on the four DVDs or something. I, I, I don't know. A majority of the show is on DVD, and I have all four sets. And after about 25 episodes of her saying the same thing over and over and over again, it gets tiring. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you have Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine, voiced by Cathal J. Dodd. Hmm, I wonder if, I wonder if he's related to Mike. <laughs> he could be. I don't know. Uh, Wolverine is nearly taken straight from the comics, though he never kills his opponents. It has, uh, it has been implied several times that he would if the other X-Men were not there to hold him back. Uh, he dons the classic yellow and blue costume from the comics. Wolverine is also in love with Jean Grey, who is Cyclops' girlfriend for most of the series. Um, this is this will always be, as far as cartoon-wise, will always be the Wolverine that I recognize. Uh, yeah, this is the Wolverine I grew up with. This is the one I always picture when I hear Wolverine or see something related to X-Men. Exactly. Um, I think Hugh Jackman did a really awesome job with the live-action version of Wolverine. Um, but as far as cartoon-wise goes, um, you know, this is the the best one, I think. Um, then you have Rogue, voiced by Lenore Zahn. Uh, in her green and yellow costume with a leather jacket, Rogue is virtually in- interchangeable with her early 1990s comic incarnation. She speaks in a sassy southern accent and generally has attitude of good-humored irreverence. Um, Rogue, uh, <laughs> I wonder if uh, Miss Zahn ever lost her voice, because in the later episodes, like closer to the end of Season 2, beginning of Season 3, there are a couple of episodes where Rogue just screams her head off, and it's like blood-curdling screams. Yeah, I remember her screaming so much near the end of Season 2. I was just... That poor woman who had the voice there must have needed a lot of cough drops. Then you had Jean Grey, who was voiced by Catherine Disher. As in the comics, Jean Grey is the heart and soul figure of the X-Men, usually seen at the side of Professor X as he discusses the purposes and activities of the team. Her costume is basically the one introduced in Uncanny X-Men number 281, where she joins Storm's gold team, although her red hair is tied back rather than hanging loose. Um... I don't know, Jean was probably my least favorite character in the first two seasons. Once she got to uh, the whole Phoenix saga, I liked her a lot better. Um, I thought she was kind of bland in the first two seasons. Yeah, to me, Jean Grey was always a minor character up until the Phoenix saga. Yeah. And she was like, you know, the main main show. Yeah, and plus she didn't have that ratty costume on anymore. She had a different one. Yeah, the Phoenix costume was a lot better than what she started off with. Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, Then you have Henry Hank McCoy, a.k.a. Beast, voiced by George Buza, who I believe believe he had a guest cameo appearance in either X-Men 1 or X-Men 2. I don't remember. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, But that was a nice nod uh, to the animated Beast. Beast is seen as the gentle giant. Beast is a kind-hearted and incredibly intelligent person. 
In the episode Beauty and the Beast, Season 2, Beast's other side is shown when he falls in love with a young, blind patient who he is treating. Um, I really like this Beast. I thought it was really cool, and I like the fact that they always have him quoting uh, literature. I thought that was really good. I think the most stuff he quotes... I think the most that he quotes from is uh, the book War and Peace, um, which, you know, I don't know. Yeah, gives Beast, oh, keep going, sorry. Oh, I was going to say Beast gives a, a, a more intellectual or philosophical vibe vibe to the show. Yeah, he does. He's very intelligent, if you would say. And for some reason, I've always got Beast and Wolverine mixed up when I was younger because they both had pointy hair <laughs> from so, you know, then when I got older, then when I got older, okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have Remy LeBeau, or LeBeau, uh, a.k.a. Gambit, voiced by Chris Potter from 1992 to 1996, and then by Tony Daniels in 1997. Gambit was originally from New Orleans and speaks with a thick Cajun accent. He is seen as the comic relief and very laid-back character. Gambit's past is explored in the episode Externally Yours season in Season 2, revealing his affliction with the Civil War between the Thieves and Assassins. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Gambit, this is how Gambit should be portrayed. Not that crappy portrayal that they had in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, you know, he's really flashy when he wants to be. Uh, he's fl- he's flirting constantly flirting with every hot woman that he comes into contact with. <laughs> That's great for a show. Uh, yeah, Gambit has always been a ladies' man, and uh, this is how I always picture Gambit. Like when I think of Gambit, this is what I think of. You know, you know, hair up in the air, and like you know, wearing that black, uh, brown leather jacket. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The- not 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 that guy in the movie. No. Not him. No, not him, not at all. Uh, and then you have Jubilation Lee, a.k.a. Jubilee, voiced by Allison Court, the youngest of the X-Men. Jubilee is a somewhat carefree girl who wants to be seen as an adult in the eyes of her counterparts. Um, I understand that she was put in for the plot. I understand that she is part of the team in the comics and everything else, but I, I don't know. I think between her and Jean, they're my least two favorite heroes. I, I don't know, I just... Yeah, Jubilee always got on my nerves, you know, since she's the youngest and she's a teenager, still learning how to use her powers, but, you know, what can you do? And then the last one um, for the heroes for the X-Men is Morph, voiced by Ron Rubin. He was a member of the X-Men and a close friend of Wolverine who was apparently killed in the first episode by Sentinels. He reappears as a recurring villain in the second season where it was revealed that Mr. Sinister saved and brainwashed him. Um, but I think Morph was another one of those comic relief type characters, because I remember in the very first episode when Jubilee is walking through the mansion after Rogan Storm Saver, uh, she walks by the room where Morph is watching TV, and he's turning into, like, you know, the senator and the president, and, and then he turns into Jubilee, and it, it's just really, really funny. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that part because, you know, Morpheus, like you said, the comic relief, you know, he made everything, you know, better. Well, not better, just easier, you know, like he, everything wasn't so serious with him. He was just having fun. Right, right. Um, excuse me. And then you have a bunch of teams. You have X-Factor, 
uh, Alpha Flight, uh, Xavier's Security Enforces, which was the Resistance. Uh, this was in the Bishop's Future. Um, it was basically um, when Master Mold, um, when he, when Forge is a servant of Master Mold, having been transformed into a cyborg, like his counterpart in the Age of Apocalypse. Um, uh, there's one thing I didn't bring up in the original recording. In this in this alternate future, um, Wolverine is a member of the Resistance along with Bishop and Shard, Bishop's sister. Uh, there was one part of the um, the the future that Bishop goes back to, where they uh, changed the whole thing. When he, I'm trying to think, is it one's? I think it was the episode One Man's Worth when they were trying to save Xavier's life. Um, he goes into his own future, Bishop does, and uh, he sees a completely different Wolverine and Storm, and they're married to each other. Now, <laughs> a lot of people, especially at that time, I, I never thought of Storm and Wolverine being married to each other, but I thought it was a nice twist on an alternate timeline. Uh, I thought that was a nice little story there. That's a very twisted future. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, in the clan chosen in Cable's future, you have Cable, uh, Nathan Christopher Summers, who is, uh, he is Scott and Gene's son, but the, apparently Gene was cloned, uh, and I believe one of her clones was Madeline Pryor, and that's who uh, Cable's real mother is, but Scott is, uh, Cyclops is his father. Um... Let's see. And then you have the Exterminators, uh, which I don't remember any of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, you have the guest allies like Mo Moira McTaggart, a former lover of Professor X and researcher of mutation. You had Banshee, slash, uh, a.k.a. Sean Casting, Moira's fiance. Um, and then, of course, Phoenix. The entire saga of the Phoenix is retold in the third season. Season divided into five parts, the Phoenix saga in each. Gene acquires the power of the Phoenix and then the battle for the Emtron Crystal and the Dark Phoenix Saga showcasing the battle with Hellfire Club and the Phoenix's transformation into the Dark Phoenix. You also had Colossus and, uh, let's see, who else? Nightcrawler. Can't can't go without talking about the show entire on Nightcrawler. Uh, Archangel, who is actually my, um, probably my favorite character out of this show. Um... Archangel's origin was retold in the series where Apocalypse creates the four horsemen of the Apocalypse. Angel goes into a scientist who claims he can quote-unquote cure mutancy but is actually Mystique, a servant of Apocalypse who turns him into death. Angel also makes a cameo appearance in the Beyond Good and Evil four-part episode as one of the original X-Men in two flashbacks, bringing up continuity errors elsewhere when Cyclops, Beast, and Jean Grey do not know him. In this version, he overcomes the the death persona to become Archangel and thanks to Rogue who saps the evil that lay within him when she touches him. Um, I don't know, I just like the Archangel, the the good version of Archangel character that, that is with the team. I thought he was a really, really cool character. Let's see who else here. I was looking for Magneto. Where is Magneto? Um, there's, you know, as I said before, there's just so many... Um, so many uh, characters here. Of course, you have um, 
Magneto, who was voiced by David Hamblin. And I must point out also, uh, later on in the season, and I have no idea why, I'm actually going to skip all the way down to the voice cast here so I can look this up. Um, I'm not really sure why uh, Magneto in the IMDb cast list is listed as being voiced by David Hemblin. But later, down the line, they have a listing for Eric Magnus Lencher, who is voiced by George Murner. Well, Eric Magnus Lencher and Magneto are the same guy. So I knew there was something off when I was watching, like, say, the third episode of the series in season one, Enter Magneto, where his voice is like this really, really deep, uh, echoing type of voice. And then in the Beyond Good and Evil uh, saga in season four, or in season four um, he sounds less, less like that. He sounds more like toned down. And there were two different voice actors for Magneto. So, uh, and then of course, you know, you have Sinister and then uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse was had, had a really, really cool voice, I thought. Uh, that was like super godlike <laughs> for a voice. Yeah, he was really, you know, he really make you feel, you know, small with that voice. So, uh, going into the voice cast a little bit, uh, th- this voice cast is really great for the roles that they had, but with the exception of maybe one voice actress, I don't know any of these people. They haven't been in anything else that I've watched as far as animation, as far as voicing. The only one that I actually uh, recognize is Tara Strong. She played uh, Ileana Rasputin, who is Colossus's little sister. Um, other than that, I don't know who any of these people are. I'm glad that they voiced the characters that they voiced, obviously. But, um, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, and the, the, uh, the voice actor who voiced Apocalypse, his name is James Blendick. Uh, wow, that's a horrible name to have. <laughs> I want that last name. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, no, sir. So who would you say is your favorite hero and villain? Um, uh, I'm going to have to go with Rogue as my favorite superhero, or uh, X-Men. I mean, what can you say about Rogue that's never been, that's already been said? You know, she's she's Rogue, basically. And my favorite villain would have to be the Juggernaut because he's just huge. He would just knock you down and just run right over you. Mine would have to be Archangel and Apocalypse. I, I don't know why I just like those characters. They're, I thought they were really cool. They had really good storylines. Um, so going into the uh, behind-the-scenes segment, uh, the series was directed, the third episode was directed by Larry Houston. Some of the writers are, of course, Stan Lee, uh, Michael Edens, Mark Edward Edens, uh, David McDermott, uh, Marty Eisenberg wrote five episodes, uh, Robert N. Skur wrote five episodes, Len Wein, um, and then, of course, you have the classic uh, comic book ones, uh, D- Jack Kirby, Dave Cockrum, Cl- Chris Claremont, John Byrne. Overall, really, really great writers. Obviously, you know, Stanley, just super awesome guy. Um, so going into the uh, going into the uh, actual show here, um, for the synopsis, the show features the X-Men similar look and lineup to the early 1990s X-Men drawn by Jim Lee, composed of Cyclops, Wolverine, Rogue, Storm, Beast, Gambit, Jubilee, Jean Grey, and Professor X. 
as well as original character Morph, an adaptation of a previous X-Men member, Kevin Sidney. Though they were not part of the team as featured in the animated series, the following X-Men have all guest starred at least one episode. Colossus, Nightcrawler, and LaFrost, Forge, Havoc, Polaris, uh, Cannonball, Banshee, Iceman, Archangel, Longshot, Dazzler, uh, Sunfire, Psylocke, Cable, and Bishop. Keen-eyed fans may also spot cameos by other familiar mutants such as Feral, Vector, and Blink. Um, a number of famous storylines and events from comics are loosely adapted in the series, such as the Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Futures Past, The Flock, the Falmax Covenant and Legacy Virus. The third episode, Intermagneto, features a confrontation at a missile base. This is largely based on the X-Men's first battle with Magneto, as told in their 1963 debut, X-Men number one. The season four episode, Sanctuary Parts one and two, uh, which involved Magneto uh, creating an, an orbiting heaven for mutants, were influenced by several storylines from the comics, specifically the first three issues of X-Men Volume Two and the Fatal Attractions crossover. Um, just overall, this show, you know, as I said before, just has really great storylines, I thought, for it being an animated show. And yeah, there are continuity errors as far as the episodes go, but I, honestly, I really didn't notice a lot of them. I don't know, I just didn't. But, um, yep. Just a really, really great show. And then, of course, you have alternate versions, which I'm really not going to talk about because, you know, the the people in different countries tend to butcher stuff. Um, and, of course, you have some trivia here. Uh, in the comic version of the fight between Storm and Kalisto, they dueled with knives instead of stabs. Uh, let's see what else. The first time that people fear what they don't understand is mentioned is in episode uh, Night of the Sentinels, Part 1. The creators of the show have also altered the way Jubilee joined the X-Men. In the comic books, Jubilee met Dazzler, Storm, and Rogue in a shopping mall in the issue. Uh, she made her way through the Gateway's portal back to the X-Men space in, Australian, in the Australian Outback as featured in Uncanny X-Men number 244. Um... Gambit and Rogue do not appear in episode uh, Intermagneto. Uh, Inter uh, let's see what else. Uh, and there's like four different continuity errors. Um, uh, in Reunion, Professor X's gloves disappear for one shot when he is chained to the wall. Um, for recurring themes, I would say that, uh, I don't know, for there are actually so many different recurring themes, obviously dealing with Technically, X-Men did deal with racism. I mean, you have racism against mutants. You look at the, you know, the Friends of Humanity, and technically they are, you know, racist against mutants. Uh, so that is one recurring theme. Um, moving on to the music. Uh, again, as I said before, the theme song, you know, I can start like moving my finger along with the theme song, even if I'm not watching the TV. Even if I just hear it, just an awesome, awesome theme song. Yeah, it's the kind of it's like it stays with you forever. It's like it's always in your head, or you know, it's always going to be, you know, part of your childhood. Yes, very much so. Um, currently, there are no soundtracks for the show, which there should be. Yeah, I want a I want a CD of all the music from the show. Yep. Um, 
All right, so we're going to move into the legacy segment. Uh, the reception for the show. The show is widely considered one of the best television adaptations in its prime. X-Men garnered very high ratings for a Saturday morning cartoon and received wide critical praise for its portrayal of many different storylines from the comics. The show is currently has a score of 8.9 out of 10 on imdb.com and 8.9 out of 10 on tv.com. In 2009, IGN ranked X-Men as the 13th greatest animated show of all time in their top 100 list, uh, which my regular co-host Kevin and I have pretty much uh, pretty much ripped up the I, the IGN top 100 list as far as animated shows because most people don't know what the hell they're talking about. No, they do not. It should have been higher. Should have been. Um, let's see. There are there are tons of video games for this show. You have X Men: Children of the Atom. Uh, some other ones is Marvel Superheroes: X Men vs. Street Fighter, uh, Marvel Superheroes vs. Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Capcom One and Two, uh, X Men: Mutant Apocalypse, X Men: X Men Two, and another X Men game. Um, a lot of these video games are really cool. Uh, uh, the ones I remember playing the most is the uh, the X Men versus Street Fighter and then the Marvel versus Capcom games. Those are really awesome. Yeah, those are real fun to play, and I I play uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 a lot on Xbox Live, and I've had so much fun playing. And the team I use the most are mostly X Men characters like Cable, Cyclops, and either Magneto or Ryu. When I was getting information for this show, there were so many VHS releases information for it. I'm only going to talk about the Pizza Hut exclusives because, really, who uh, who owns a VCR anymore these days? I certainly don't. Yes. At the height of the series' popularity, Pizza Hut sold two VHS tapes, and they also contained roundtable discussions between prominent names such as X-Men creator Stan Lee and 90s writer Scott Lobdell. Um... And the episodes that are on those is Night of the Sentinels Parts 1 and 2 and Enter Magneto slash Deadly Reunions. Uh, the DVD releases in 2009, Buena Vista Home Entertainment began releasing X-Men the Animated Series on DVD in Region 1 in volume sets. The releases named X-Men Marvel Comic Book Collection are two-disc sets. To date, four volumes have been released. Volume 1 and 2 were released on uh, April 28, 2009. Volume 3 and 4 released on September 15, 2009. Unfortunately, Buena Vista Home Entertainment decided to release the episodes on Volumes 3 and 4 in air date order instead of correct production order. Thus, there will be numerous continuity errors. Uh, as of 2000... Uh, let's see, that's Region 2. There is a... there. They are probably going to be releasing the Season 5... The, the Volume 5 set um, probably the beginning of next year, beginning of 2010. That's normally how they do that, that they wait a couple of months, uh, but it definitely will come out, and you know, with the success of these, hopefully we'll get more Marvel shows on DVD. I hope so. Um, let's see what else Alright. Um, I think, uh, what are your, your, why don't we just give our final thoughts on X-Men here, and then we, and then later on we just go straight into the closing. <laughs> so what are your final thoughts on X-Men? Um, I love the show, and I'm, you know, miss watching it when I was young and I still miss watching it now it's like it's this is what brought me into the X-Men and what brought me into the the comics the video games and the the whole you know story for the X-Men and you know I'm 
Uh, hopefully soon I'll be able to buy the DVDs. Well, you could always ask that big, fat red guy in a suit. That's true. I can ask for the DVDs for Christmas, and I should. Yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think that we are going to move on. We'll be right back. Next in the Marvel Cartoon Universe is Spider-Man, also known as Spider-Man the Animated Series. It is an American animated series starring the Marvel comic superhero Spider-Man. The show ran on Fox Kids from November 19, 1994 to January 31, 1998. The producer-slash-story editor was John Semper, Jr., and production company was Marvel Productions. Reruns can currently be seen on JetX Europe and Disney XD. That is the history lesson. We're going to move into the general memory. Um, as far as general memories for the show, this was, as with X-Men, this was my introduction to Spider-Man. I had read a couple of, like, hand-me-down, covers-ripped-off Spider-Man comics um, when I was younger, but this was my true introduction to it um, and to the character of Spider-Man. This does a really awesome job of capturing the character from the comic books, I think. Um, what are your general thoughts on it or general memories? Well, like you, yeah, this is my introduction to Spider-Man. Even though I knew who Spider-Man was, but this is how I really got to know him. Right. You know, I, and once again, once again, to my brother and me, like what, getting up, watching it every Saturday morning, and just hanging out and talking about Spider-Man. You know, just yeah. you know, enjoying the show. Oh yes, very, very much so. Uh, and there are a lot of characters in this as well. Uh, we are going to get right into the characters and voice actors. Um, and as I said before, um, you know, we th th there are so many characters on this list, just like the X-Men one. Um, you had, of course, Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, who is voiced by Christopher Daniel Barnes, uh, the protagonist of the series and only character to appear in every episode. Spider-Man slash Peter Parker was not only a hero, but had several villainous appearances. In two episodes of the three-part alien costume saga, the influence of an alien symbiote costume caused Peter uh, to become hateful and violent. Later in the series, Spider-Man mutated into the dangerous man-spider against his will. Um, I think they really nailed this. Uh, and of course, you know, you have Stan Lee, Avi Arad, but, you know, the, the the two of the main guys that, that deal with, you know, Marvel and these characters and stuff like that. Um, you have these people producing the show and writing for the show and, you know, just just being there and, re you know, even though it was in the control of other people like, like Disney, you know, you have, um, you have them, 
basically there to to say, hey, you know, this is what Spider-Man would do, or this is this is not what Spider-Man would do, or you know, this is how this character is supposed to be. So, I think it it does a good job of you know bringing the comics to life. Yeah, I agree. This is basically watching a comic book on the screen, just flipping through the pages. You had you also had characters pop up. Uh, Blade and Whistler popped up, which um, was pretty cool. Uh, Black Cat, Felicia Hardy, who was voiced by Jennifer Hale. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you really say about Black Cat. Where's hot black leather? <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, worked. Daredevil and Flash Matt Murdock. Uh, Nick Fury was in the show. Craven the Hunter. Uh, pretty much all of Spider-Man's villains. Uh, the Lizard slash Doc Connors, Doctor Strange, Wong, Madam Web. Now, I, I I need to point out Madam Web because um, Madam Web appeared in the Spider-Man animated series. She was voiced by Joan Lee, the wife of creator, creator of Spider-Man, Stanley, which I thought that was a really, really nice touch. You know, get you know, the producers actually, I don't know if it was Stan that said, oh, hey, you know, if you guys need a voice... I, I don't think Stan is that type of guy. I don't think he's the type of guy that, that that's going to go to the producers. I'm thinking the producers went to them and said, hey, we need a voice for this character. Would your wife be interested? Um, but I think that's a really awesome way to include the Lee family as far as bringing them into the, the actual cartoon. Um, so that was that was really cool. Yeah. I had no idea that Joan Lee was... The voice of Madam Web. <laughs> I didn't either until I until I was getting the research for the show. Uh, so you're not the only one that didn't know. Um, you had Michael Morbius, who would eventually turn into the Vampire Bat. Uh, the Punisher is in this show. Uh, let's see Iron Man and War Machine make crossover appearances. The X Men make crossover appearances. Captain America and the Six American Warriors. Um, let's see. Fantastic Four, uh, and then of course the villains for the show, you have Baron Mordo, uh, Carnage, uh, Chameleon, Doctor Doom, Dormammu, Electro, Electro actually wasn't, we'll, we'll get into that later, Electro wasn't supposed to be used in the show at first, but he was eventually, uh, Green Goblin, uh, actually Norman Osborn uh, was voiced by Neil Ross, who most people will know him from Voltron and Transformers and a bunch of other stuff that he did in the 80s. Uh, so I thought that was really, really cool. Um, just a a whole lot of great characters, uh, both hero and villain. Uh, oh, yeah, Hobgoblin is uh, voiced by Mark Hamill. So it's basically the Joker flying around on a glider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, but yeah. When I heard the Hobgoblin, I was like, "That's a Joker." Yep. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And I and I had to stop and listen to it. I'm like, wait. Holy crap! That's the Joker. What the hell is the Joker doing in a Spider-Man cartoon? But I thought it was really cool that they they put him in there. Um, I've always enjoyed Mark Hamill as the Joker. So a lot of people have. And just you know, truly a bunch of uh, other. Other villains, you know, all Spider-Man's regular villains, Venom, um, Vulture, um, we have some other characters here. Uh, let's see, where, where is Mesophist John Hardesky, who is a uh, police. Here we go, J. Jonah Jameson. 
who was voiced by Ed Asner, which I find very funny because the other main voice that I remember Ed playing was Granny Goodness from Superman and the Justice League. <laughs> uh, let's see. Stan Lee actually made an appearance. Stan Lee appeared in the series finale as himself in an alternate reality. This was supposed to be the reality we live in. The powerless Spider-Man takes the prime Spider-Man to our reality, in which he is an actor who plays Spider-Man. In this reality, Spider-Man is a comic book character that Stan Lee created him. Spider-Man thanks Stan Lee for creating him and making him a hero, then leaves. Um, I think the way that this... Other than the fact that the series ended on a cliffhanger with um, Madame Wim saying, you know, you deserve a break and we're going to go find Mary Jane. Right before that, <coughs> excuse me, when um, when Spider-Man goes to leave Stan, after he, leave, after he swings away, Stan looks around like, oh, great, how am I going to get down from this rooftop? <laughs> I thought that was a funny moment. Yeah, they really broke the fourth wall on the final episode. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Um, you know, of course, you have Uncle Ben and Aunt May. Uh, you have Joseph, Robbie Robertson, who is Spider-Man's main uh, protagonist. You know, as far as you know, really likes him, really you know, roots for him. Um, just overall, a great uh, cast of characters for this show. Um, as far as the voice actors, as I said before, you have Christopher Daniel Barnes playing Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Roscoe Lee Brown played the Kingpin. Now I. I remember seeing him in um, the David Hasselhoff TV uh, movie, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and I was like, wait, that's that's the Kingpin. Uh, you had uh, Jennifer Hale as Felicia Hardy slash the Black Cat, Edward Asner as uh, J. Jonah Jameson, Linda Gary, who was Tila in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, played out Mae Parker. Um, let's see who else I recognize here. Jim Cummings plays... Herman Schultz, uh, David Warner played Herbert Landon. Most people know David Warner from uh, either Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, he was the professor, or uh, Batman the Animated Series, he voiced uh, Raish al Ghul. Uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., who also was in Batman the Animated Series, played Dr. Octopus in this. Uh, Let's see here, who else? John, as I said, John Lee. Nick Azaria played Ed Edward Brock. Uh, David Hayter. Uh, wow, I mentioned this in the last record we did. David Hayter, the voice of Solid Snake, played Captain America. Now, I'm going to have to go back and find one of those episodes with Captain America in it and actually listen to the voice because I don't remember what he sounds like. Hopefully Captain America doesn't sound like Solid Snake. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think he does. Um, uh, and then you had uh, Greg Berger playing Mysterio for seven episodes. So there's uh, there's uh, Grimlock. Uh, let's see. Jack Angel played Nick Fury. Most people will know Jack from uh, being um, Astro Train in Transformers and King Zarkon in Voltron. Uh, just an overall great, great voice cast. Um, yeah, just really top-notch. Uh, oh, Rob Paulson played Hydro-Man, so there's a shout-out for my co-host Kevin, who is not here. Um, you know, just awesome, awesome voice cast. It just kind of like goes on and on and on. I'm actually surprised uh, that um, that Frank Welker isn't in this cast somewhere. 
Uh, you got Paul Winfield playing the Black Marvel. I don't remember Paul Winfield from being a voice of the City Confidential narrator on A&E. He was also a voice in Batman Beyond. Uh, of course, uh, Townsend Coleman, uh, who played the middle-aged Silvermane. You know, just as I said before, just a great, great cast. Um, what did you? Or what are your favorite uh, characters from this one? Um, favorite hero? Um, I would say Black Cat. <laughs> I mean, what can you, like Rogue? What can you say about Black Cat? Yeah. And my favorite villain? Yep. Would be Venom, because I remember. When they did the whole, you know, alien suit thing, you know, that was a big deal to see Venom for the first time. Yep. And I was just so excited to see Venom. It was, like, so cool. Yes, it was. I think mine would have to be, um, you know, I, I mean, I like Black Cat just because of the simple fact she's hot, but I, I, I would say that mine would most, it'd probably be Spider-Man just because, you know, I, I thought they made him look really, really cool on this show. Um, and favorite villain, I would probably say... Um, I'd probably say Doc Ogg. Uh, just because it... I don't know, just... You know, he was portrayed really, really well in this as well. So moving on to the behind-the-scenes segment. Um, while Marvel's X-Men, the animated series, was being produced by Saban, Spider-Man was produced by a newly formed Marvel Films Animation. It was the only series in that in-house studio produced, uh, but was animated by Tokyo Movie Shinsha with Korean Studios. The series is the second longest-running Marvel show created after X-Men, as well as the longest-running series based on Spider-Man. It is currently owned and distributed by the Walt Disney Company, which acquired all Fox Kids-related properties from News Corporation and Saban International in 2001. Avi Arad was the executive producer of the show. One of the obligations of working with Fox was to make the show educational by introducing resolvable child-appropriate social issues. Semper said that he believes Spider-Man to be particularly good for this because the show takes place in real-world New York, making it making it able to tackle problems, quote-unquote, closer to home. Uh, to reproduce the New York-style background, illustrators undertook a large amount of visual research using photo archives from both New York, uh, particularly rooftops. Maps were consulted for references, and buildings were faithfully reproduced. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, back in the... Mid '90s, you know, Fox and everybody else was uh, was big on on censorship, and this show uh, didn't escape it either. Uh, they couldn't mention death, die, dead, or kill. Um, death in words with strong negative meanings were to be avoided, leading Semper to skirt around the issue. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Not using realistic weapons. We all know about that. Uh, no firearms could shoot bullets. So instead, they fired lasers, complemented by a futuristic sound. Uh huh. Yeah. There's one way to get around it. Um, the canceled film. Now this is interesting. Uh, the show's producers were instructed to leave longtime villains Sandman and Electro out of the series due to their use in James Cameron's script. Spider-Man also aired with an introductory episode because this was supposed to be explained in the film. 
When the project eventually fell through, Semper worked in a flashback in, into the episode Make a Wish and introduced Electro into the uh, Six Forgotten to the Six Forgotten Warriors five-part episode. Um, now, I like the fact that there wasn't a a introductory episode to the show, simply because, well, as we all know, the the 1990s James Cameron version of the Spider-Man film uh, did get canceled, and of course it then became Sam Raimi's job in 2002 to bring it to the big screen. But they actually go back, and as I said, put in a flashback as far as who Peter's parents are and where they came from. And this show actually gives you more uh, than anything I've seen that, that I've seen personally. And I, I don't know what it, I don't know what it does in the comics, but. Um, we pretty much know Spider-Man's origin story to be his parents died, he's living with Uncle Ben and Aunt May, Uncle Ben dies, now he's just living with Aunt May. So, you know, I liked how this show went back and said, hey, look, here, here's what happened to his parents. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was glad they didn't, like, do an origin story. I'm glad they just started off with him being Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, the series was directed for all 65 episodes, was directed by Bob Richardson. Some of the writers were uh, Stan Lee, John Semper, uh, Stan Berkowitz, who I know from the DC Animated Universe stuff, Batman Animated Series, stuff like that, Justice League, Marty Eisenberg, uh, let's see, Larry Brody, uh, Wynn Ween, Michael Eaton, Sergio Ross, Steve Ditko, who was also the co-creator of Spider-Man, Larry Lieber and Joe Simon. I believe those. I believe I know, I know Ditko is is the co-creator of Spider-Man from the comics. I think Larry Lieber and Joe Simon are some of the either writers or artists in the comics of Spider-Man. Um. <coughs> All right. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, going into the actual show uh, for the synopsis, the series tells the story of a 19-year-old Peter Parker in his first year at Empire State University, and his alter ego, Spider-Man. As the story begins, Peter has already gained his powers, is single, and a part-time photographer for the Daily Bugle. The show features most of Spider-Man's classic villains, including the Kingpin, Green Goblin, Lizard, Scorpion, Dr. Octopus, Mysterio, the Rhino, the Shocker, the Vulture, and the Chameleon, as well as more recent villains such as Venom, Carnage, and the Hobgoblin. One Spider-Man villain most recognized not to be seen in the animated series is Sandman. Uh, over the course of the series, uh, the single Peter Parker contends with romantic interests of Mary Jane Watson, Black Cat, and her alter ego, Felicia Hardy. Um, and as I said before, this show um, had a great premise, I thought. Uh, it, it wasn't too violent. It wasn't, um, it wasn't too offensive. I don't think it was more of Hey kids, look, it's Spider-Man fighting his bad guys. Yeah, that's what hooked me. Yep. Um, uh, one thing, <laughs> as far as trivia, I think the only one I'm going to mention here um, <laughs> is one thing I found really funny was when Peter gets the Venom suit and he's trying out the quote-unquote outfit switching ability, he has it turn, into, turn him into quote-unquote, that guy from Aerosmith. This is a reference to Aerosmith guitarist Joe Perry, who performs the, performs the series theme music. So it's kind of cool. They got, you know, got you know Joe Perry to do the theme song. That was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, let's see. John Simper admitted in an online interview that uh, a storyline with Dormammu and Mysterio was originally planned. However, plans for this were scrapped when the voice of Mysterio Greg Barker had left the series. Uh, the cast of Fox Kids Cartoon X-Men crossover as their respected roles uh, in the Neogenic Nightmare Chapter 4, The Mutant Agenda. Um, let's see. This would be Eddie Albert's final series and last acting project. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, uh, so we're going to move on to the um, music here. Uh, again, this is uh, another um, theme song that, that, that everybody from the 90s will, you know, cartoon theme song that they will remember. Just an upbeat, you know, really, really catchy theme. And here's where you're supposed to talk. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, the well, theme song, the theme song was so was memorable too, because you know it was, you know, heavy like heavy electric guitar mm-hmm. by Joe Perry. Yep. And you know, uh, it's another one that you'll remember from your from your. Oh yes, very much so. Uh, so we are going to move into the legacy segment uh, for the reception. Spider-Man: The Animated Series was one of the most popular shows of the Fox Kids ranking with and occasionally above other hit shows such as Batman the Animated Series and X-Men the Animated Series. Even after the series ended, it still had an impact on the entertainment industry, boosting sales of myriads of Spider-Man merchandise in popularity. The show was named the 84th Best Animated Series by IGN. Again, IGN, you suck. Once again, they need to make it higher. Yeah. Uh, three comics based on the series produced. Uh, Spider-Man Adventures, December 1994, six. Spider-Man Adventures... Number one through four, later reprinted in Kellogg's Fruit Loops mini comics. Um, a number of video games based on these series were produced: Spider-Man Cartoon Maker for the PC, Spider-Man the Animated Series for the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, Spider-Man for the PlayStation, Nintendo 64, Dreamcast, and PC. The one that they don't list on here, and I should have found it, was the one I remember the most: uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men in Arcade's Revenge. That was a really awesome Super Nintendo. Yeah, I remember that playing it in like the arcade and on the Genesis all the time. That was really fun. So, uh, for the DVD releases to date, only releases have been several volume sets from Walt Disney Studios Home, Home Entertainment that feature four or five episodes each. It is unknown if season sets of the series will be released at some point. Um, now, we can import these. I did look at Amazon.co.uk. And they do have all five complete seasons in Region 2. Um, I'm not sure if it's worth importing them, because I don't know if my computer is a region-free player. I don't know if my 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 DVD or DVR or, yeah, my DVR uh, DVD drive is a is region-free. I'm not sure, but I did find them on on Amazon, so that's uh, that's kind of cool. Um, uh, let's see. For awards, it did win uh, writer-producer John Semper Jr. won Annie Award in 1995 for Best Individual Achievement for writing in the field of animation for the episode Day of the Chameleon. Uh, Spider-Man was nominated for one 1996 Image Award for Outstanding Animated-slash-Live-Action-slash-Dramatic Youth or Children's Series Special. Um, let's see. And that's pretty much going to bring this one to a close. Uh, we're going to move on. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. series um, it was based on the Marvel comic superhero Iron Man the series aired from 1994 to 1996 in syndication as part of the Marvel Action Hour which packaged Iron Man with another animated series based on, a, on Marvel properties the Fantastic Four with one half hour episode from each series airing back to back the show was backed by a toy line that featured many armor variants the series of Iron Man was among the few television series to be re- Re-recorded in THX, this may have been usual at the time for a motion picture, but it is rare for television series. Off the heels of the release of the live-action Iron Man film in 2008, reruns began airing on the JetX block on Toon Disney. They can now be seen in reruns in the United States on Disney XD. That is the history lesson with little general memories. And you've never actually seen this. Well, you... No, well, no I haven't seen it. I've... I usually after Spider Man I ran off and did something else <laughs> when I was gill, so Um I really enjoyed the the second season more than the third more than the first season. I thought the second season was much, much better. Um so, you know, uh just great characters. There there were some good stories. Uh I think it did stay true to the comics and of course now with the uh with the Iron Man movies, you know, of course we already have Iron Man, and now we're getting Iron Man 2 next year. Uh, hopefully, maybe this will get a Region 1 release on DVD. Um, Alright, so, going into the characters and voice actors, uh, for the, um, 
allies. You have Nick Fury, Hawkeye. Uh, the Hulk made a couple of crossover appearances. Scarlet Witch, Spider-Woman. Um, let's see. War Machine, everybody knows. Uh, War Machine is. War Machine has appeared in the Iron Man animated series voiced by James Avery in Season 1. Jim and Jim Cummings in a few episodes, and Dorian Harewood in Season 2. The color scheme of the War Machine armor, as well as the colors of the other Force Force members' uniforms, changes without explanation between Seasons 1 and 2 of Iron Man. Um, I thought War Machine was a really, really great character. I thought they did a really good job of bringing him off the page and onto the screen as far as the cartoon. Um, and I can't wait to see what he will uh, look like in the second Iron Man live-action film. Uh, for villains, you had Beetle, Black Lash, uh, Blizzard, uh, Controller, Crimson Dynamo, Dread Knight, uh, Fin Fang Foom. Uh, he was actually voiced by Neil Ross, so that was pretty cool. Uh, Firebrand, Firepower, Ghost, uh, Grey Gargoyle, Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer is the one, he's, he's a human, but he is the rival business partner of Tony Stark, which... Um, that was really, really interesting to have him in the show. Uh, and then, of course, you got the uh, the Mandarin, who is pretty much Iron Man's uh, main villain. The Mandarin was the primary villain in the 1994 Iron Man animated series, voiced by Ed Gilbert, and later by Robert Ito. In the series, the Mandarin is an archaeologist named Arnold Brock, who, while fleeing from the Desert Bandits, falls into an ancient catacomb containing an alien starship, which belongs to this series, incarnation of Fin Fang Foom, whom Mandarin forged an uneasy alliance with. In this catacomb, he finds ten gems of power. Unfortunately, the bandits that slay everyone else, including his fiancée, Yelona, uh, all the raiders leave behind are his fiancée's rings with the jewels plucked from them. The Mandarin uses, the, uses these as the settings for his power jewels. The Mandarin of this continuity is much more altered by the power of the rings. He developed uh, pointy ears and claw-like fingernails, enhanced muscula musculature, and his skin turned emerald green. The cartoon version of the Mandarin was served in his villainy by Justin Hammer, as well as several other supervillains like Blizzard, Black Lash, Dread Knight, Hypnosia, and Grey Gargoyle. Um, you know, just... Uh, a great foil for Iron Man. He's always trying to figure out who Iron Man is. Um, and it's just, he, he was just a really, really great villain, I thought. Uh, let's see, moving on to the voice cast. You had Robert Hayes as Iron Man, James Avery as War Machine, slash James Rhodes. Dorian Harewood would always, uh, would uh, play War Machine as well. You had, uh, Darling. Casey DeFranco played Spider-Woman slash Julia Carpenter in Season 1, and then Jennifer Hale played her in Season 2. I much like the Season 2 version better. Then you had Ed Gilbert played the Mandarin, uh, and then Robert Ito played the Mandarin in Season 2. For the recurring cast, you had uh, Neil Ross as Fing Fang Foom. Ep Ephraim Zimbalis Jr. played Justin Hammer in Season 2. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Brewer, uh, yeah. Oh, Ron Perlman played the um, the uh, the Hulk in the crossovers, which I thought that was really cool. Anytime you get Ron, Ron Perlman in a in a in a voice cast, it was really cool. Um, yeah. 
overall a really great voice cast. If I had to pick hero and villain, I would probably pick Iron Man and the Mandarin, um, just because you know they're the main hero and villain, and they their, their rivalry was really really cool. Uh, the going into the behind the scenes segment, uh, the series was directed by Barb Ark. Wright and Dan Thompson. Some of the series writers include Stan Lee, Ron Friedman, Doug Booth, Greg Johnson, um, Larry Lieber, uh, Lynn Euler, I think that, or Yuli, I think that is. Uh, now for the actual show. Although only lasting two seasons, Iron Man was the subject of a major overhaul between seasons when its production studio was changed. The result was a massively changed tone and general approach, which left the uh, disparate seasons scarcely recognizable as being two halves of the same series. Uh, the first season of Iron Man featured little more than Masters of the Universe-style battle of good against evil. His brilliant industrialist Tony Stark battled the evil forces of the world-conquering Mandarin as the armored superhero Iron Man in his evil endeavors to steal Stark's technology and Iron Man's armor. The Mandarin lit a group of villains consisting of Dread Knight, Blizzard, Black Lash, Grey Gargoyle, Hypnosha, Whirlwind, Living Laser, Modok, Fin Fang Foom, and Justin Hammer. To combat these villains, Iron Man had the help of his own team, based on Forceworks, a then-current comic book team which has since faded into obscurity, including Century, War Machine, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, and Spider-Woman. Um, the season consisted mostly of single-episode open-and-shut-case adventures with two two-part stories late, toward, late towards the end, unlike many other Marvel animated series, despite featuring over-the-top titles that paid homage to the early Stanley written Marvel comics of the 1960s. For example, The Grim Reaper Wears a Teflon Coat and Rejoice, I Am Ultimo Thy Deliverer. Uh, almost none of the episodes were ad adaptations of comic book stories, consisting instead of original stories penned by Ron Friedman, occasionally collaborated on by Stanley himself. Uh, animation for the first. Let's see, where's the second season? In 1995, Marvel switched the Marvel Action Hour to a new animation studio, as previously mentioned. Uh, the animation in season one was provided by Rainbow Animation Group, while the animation in season two was provided by Coco Enterprises. With it came new writers. Ron Friedman was replaced by Tom Tataranowitz for season two, and new music for each sequence, uh, coupled with new direction for the series. The first season's subtle keyboard theme music for Iron Man, composed by progressive rock artist Keith Emerson, was replaced by an intense electric guitar theme featuring a repeated refrain of I Am Iron Man, while showing Tony Stark beating red-hot iron plates into shape with a blacksmith's hammer possibly to mimic the Black Sabbath song, Iron Man. Tony Stark's longer hairstyle in the second season was based upon the artist Mark Bright's depiction of Stark from the late 1980s, which is where most of the episodes from season two were based upon. Uh, as I said before, the the season two episodes I liked a lot better. I think it was mainly the theme song. It was really, really catchy, and I thought it was... Um, a much better version than the uh, season one theme. Let's see here. Uh, for the future of Iron Man, the new Iron Man series, a new Iron Man series was in production in France for airing in 2006 alongside a new Fantastic Four series. 
in effect reviving the Marvel Action Hour, though it remains to be seen if it will be aired together or not. In September 2006, the Fantastic Four series aired on Toonami at 8 p.m. every Saturday. The Iron Man series did not. Uh, moving on to the, um, the music segment here. Uh, the uh, series original music was done by William Anderson for 13 episodes in 1994. As I said before, the the difference between the season one theme and the season two theme is it, it's very, very different. And I don't ever remember the season one theme at all when I was watching this as a kid. I always remember the season two theme. It was, it was much more upbeat. It, it, it was more like the X-Men theme and the Spider-Man theme. It basically got you into the show before the show started. Uh, moving on to the popularity, uh, the legacy segment here. Let's see, for DVD releases on October 8th, 2007, both seasons were released together in a Region 2 three-disc set from Maximum Entertainment in 2007, back when Disney had the rights to the Marvel shows and before they bought the rights back. The three-disc set had no features, just included all 26 episodes. There are no plans for a Region 1 release at the present time, which kind of sucks. Yeah, it's because I want to see it now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can go on YouTube and, and, and watch it. It's, it is on there. Yeah, that's true. When all else fails, go to YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. um, so I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, it's kind of been dragging on. At least we won't have the audio crap quality issues that we had in the first record. I hope not. Oh, no, we won't. It, this one's been much, much better. What are your final thoughts on, well... At least two of the three shows. Well, really, right now I want to see Iron Man. You know, I want to actually give it a ch- give it a chance. You know, and I hope they release it in America soon. And you know, overall, X Men and Spider Man was my childhood. You know, I grew up watching them, and I want to watch them again. You know, and I hope I can get like like you said. I'll ask I'll ask the X Men DVDs for Christmas and. Hopefully they'll start rolling out Spider-Man. Yeah, hopefully they will. I don't know if I'm not sure if they will or not. Uh, I do have to mention with the Spider-Man um, discussion that uh, Spider-Man did continue. It was supposed to continue uh, after the um, the season or the series finale with uh, what was it, um, the Spider Wars Part Two. It was supposed to continue, but Fox didn't pick it up or something or other in night. Uh, when did that end? When did Avengers Infinity War end? After 1998, 1999, uh, they made a show called Spider-Man Unlimited, which basically it's pretty much the same show. It's a different animation style, and there's a different voice actor for for Spider-Man. It's Reno Romano. Uh, most people will know him from playing the Batman in the the show of the Batman that came out in 2004, I think. 2004, 2005. I, I, I forget when that show came out. Um, and uh, he does a pretty good job as as Peter and Spider-Man. Basically, the whole point of Spider-Man Unlimited is that uh, he has to go to an alternate Earth to save uh, John Jameson, who is J. Jonah Jameson's son, and this alternate Earth is filled with these bestials and, and everything else. It's a pretty cool cartoon if you can get into it. it. 
it's not the best way I would say that they should have continued the series as far as bringing it over from the 94 cartoon, but it's good for what it is, uh, I guess. So we are going to close this episode out. Thank you for joining us here on TuneCast. There are several ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. The first is you can visit www.geekcastradio.com and find all the other GCRN podcasts there. The second is you can stop by predaconempire.com slash cafe spark and get all your GCRN Transformers discussion topics there. The third is you can leave the show feedback on iTunes. Please do this. I did check this before the show tonight, and I think we have... TuneCast has five five-star positive ratings, and I think maybe one or two two-stars or one-stars. I don't know. It's it's fairly positive as far as the star rating on iTunes, so please leave us reviews. Um, the fourth is you can visit the www.earth-2, that's earth-2.net forums, and find our threads for the shows in the self-promotion section. And the fifth is the email address, which is gcrntooncast at gmail.com. We now have a voicemail line. Call us and leave us your thoughts on each episode. Be sure to say which show you're leaving the message for. The number is 502-526-5821. You can also follow us on Twitter. The show name there is gcrntooncast. Mine is tfg1mike. And what is your Twitter? You can find me at, at redrandomhero.com. That's r 3 d R-A-N-D-0-M-H-3-R-0. We hope you enjoyed this episode of TuneCast, and wish you'll join us next time when we'll be reminiscing on The Looney Tunes, featuring Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. For now, I am TFG and Mike, saying the more words of Optimus Prime. Uh, transform and roll out, and thank you for listening. Oh, yeah, and Red Random Heroes here. I forgot to say with. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, man. Well, yeah, for the second time. <laughs> Yeah, for the second time, and you forgot me. Uh, well, you've been so quiet, it's like you've fallen asleep in the middle of the show. No, I'm not falling asleep, I'm just... You'd get fired if you were working for a radio station. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, radio. Yeah. All right, so see you later, folks. <laughs>